Probably one of my big things is that as adults, we don't play enough. This is so terrible for bookworms. Um, I read the last page of a book first. Today, I held a sunstone in my hand. Its edges were smooth. That was nice, wasn't it? You could almost feel that stone in your own hand. That line of poetry was created by my friend Jess Whitkins. Jess is a writer, she's a big reader, a performer, and a storyteller. So today on Around River City, we're going to see what kind of stories we can get her to share with us. I'm Ken Cooper. Thank you for listening to Around River City. In a minute, we're going to jump right into my conversation with Jess. First, though, I want to remind you that there is a lot of really good information for you over at AroundRiverCity.com. So if you want to know about what's happening or maybe you want to share an event that you're a part of, check it out. That's AroundRiverCity.com. So my conversation with writer Jess Witkins. One of my first questions for Jess is, well, it's probably an obvious one, especially if you're a writer, I'm guessing you'll know the answer. Is it easy to get rich as a writer? That's where we'll begin with Jess Witkins on Around River City next. This is Around River City, and I'm Ken Cooper. I'm really glad that you're listening today. This is going to be a fun conversation, and an interesting one, too. I'm talking with author Jess Whitkins, and I guess the first thing I, I want to know is, do you just like and need to be creative, or do you write for the paycheck? I mean, I would love to be paid as well, but sure, yes, I like creating. You didn't start creating and start writing to be paid, did you? Well, no, because I was still living at home and was five. But um, I think that storytelling connects people, and I would never want to get away from that. Did you think that at five? <laughs> yes, I was a very deep five-year-old. <laughs> no, I was totally writing mysteries and using stickers as the illustrations. I had a series about a group of teddy bears that solved crimes. That's brilliant. That's br- Where are they now? I don't know. Somewhere in a drawer. But if any agents are listening, I will dig them up. <laughs> I love that idea. I can tell you, having a 10-year-old, kids still dig stickers. Oh, they do. Yes, yes, absolutely. Wow. And really, that was the first thing you wrote? I think so, yeah. It was like Ho-Ho and the Missing Key. <laughs> it was the first story. <laughs> Nowadays, you write... You seem to write a lot of nonfiction, a lot of essays, a lot of personal exploration. I do. I always laugh that I'm not very good at making things up, and so the truth comes easier. So I tend to write more nonfiction. Um, I do essays and pitch those all over, um, and I'm working on a memoir, slow but steady. Wow. I suppose living is part of working on a memoir, isn't it? (laughs) It's a great way to get started, yes. Um, as far as making things up, I can attest that that is not accurate. Uh, we met during doing improv, uh, which was wonderful. What a what a great discovery to have you become part of the the troupe. And we've all got lives, and so that's sort of come and gone. But uh, you are very good at making things up. Well, the funny thing about that is when I came, I didn't know it was an audition. I thought it was just a workshop, and then suddenly they were like, "Here's your rehearsal tape." <laughs> It just kept coming. I don't think we knew it was that either. You were just so good. We were like, we don't let her leave without getting back here. So it was very, very fun. Does does that kind of performance or any kind of a performance in front of people? I know you also do story time for adults through the library. Does that give you a different um, 
outlet or a different feeling than writing does, or is it, or is it similar? A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Um, I, I love doing different styles because I think you always learn from them and then you can use them in other projects that you have going. So improv taught me a lot about how to finish a story because it was all about trust and working with your partners and just knowing that you would figure out how the story ends. And I took storytelling with Sarah Slayton here in town as well. She started up the... Um, Bluff Country Tale Spinners, the Storytelling Guild, and doing storytelling was different because it was more about like how could I physically make something humorous versus just reading it. I turned one of my essays into a picture book, so just it was great for creativity. Is that an important word to you, creativity? Sure. I think probably one of my big things is that as adults we don't play enough. Right. There's, you know, as a kid, you would whip out the crayons and start coloring and, you know, tack it on the fridge. And that was so exciting. And then you get to be an adult and you're like, oh, I can't do that. I don't know how. Or I'm not a good artist. I'm not I'm not a good writer. And you kind of lose the willingness to just try because there's so much like fear already kind of instilled into all of us, I think. So I and I'm that way, too. I think I'm a terrible artist. And so it takes a lot for me to like go outside of the box that way and try to do an art journal or something just to be different and so I think yes creativity is very very important and just being willing to play and laugh at yourself and learn and grow is all a crucial part of creative living just to to get back to improv really quick I the biggest thing I learned and my advice has always been, if you want to learn how to do good improv, just watch a five or six or seven-year-old play or a four-year-old. Yeah, for sure. They do it all the time. Well, and when I'm working at the library, interacting with the kids, I have so many funny stories just from what the kids say. Uh, the latest one I had was a kid brought in a toy and was playing with it. And it was some kind of cool, like, slinky-like gadget. And I was like, hey, that's cool. What's that called? And he showed me the box that he'd ripped it out of. And he's like, I don't know. I don't speak cursive. Because it was in, like, a flowier font. And they're just funny, naturally. Yeah. How many times a day do you say to yourself, that's a story? Oh. I don't know. I've never counted. But certainly... A lot of times there's always like little pieces of ideas I plug a lot of them into my phone I think I get probably like most people get a lot of ideas in the shower while I'm driving so then I have to do like the voice dictate thing in the car <laughs> like, yes I'm paying attention to driving but also here's the entire plot of <laughs> yeah. and in the shower you just have to remember hope you remember, remember yeah that's unfortunate maybe give up rinsing to get out of there faster to write it down <laughs> I'm just going to become a very like soapy woman from now on <laughs> Why is writing important? Why are writers important? Well, writers are artists, and so I think we rely on them to help us articulate how we feel about the world we live in, which is no small task. <laughs> no small task, a good, concise answer, but no small task. Is it presumptuous to ask if you hope to give us something from your writing? Oh, what do you mean give you something? Give us a, a sense of enlightenment to a degree I mean you know I remember when the singer songwriter craze started back in the 70s and it was people one of the complaints was oh it's just people singing about themselves but really their personal story illuminated universal issues I mean do you do you hope to give that or at all or uh, yes absolutely uh, with the book that I'm working on now the whole hope is to kind of help people redefine what it means to graduate go out and get a job and 
evaluate more about what we're doing with purpose and what makes us happy and how do we find better balance in our lives. So I hope that my story and background uh, can help other people make uh, decisions that come easier or less mistakes. I don't know. I hope that it helps them feel seen first and foremost. And I think even when I'm writing comedic pieces, especially as a nonfiction writer, but any writer, whether you're doing fiction or nonfiction, the point is to hopefully talk about something in a way that makes you think right like you're exposing it in sort of a new way or you're making a connection that you maybe hadn't thought of before so I hope that my writing would illuminate those things for people whether it's finding something that's maybe not that comical to be comical or if something's sad to again that piece of feeling seen or understood and less alone do you feel like sharing a little bit of that background that's in the book or that you're hoping to use to illuminate us? I have an essay coming out. It's with Gels Cole Literary, and it's in an anthology called What Remains. So it's all stories about uh, the rituals and spirituality surrounding death. So heavy topic, I know. Um, but my essay is called The Funeral Photographer, and it is about when my brother-in-law passed away very unexpectedly at the age of 46. And the absurdity and also the grief of my sister asking me to be a photographer at the funeral. Um, you know, I was just using my camera phone. It wasn't like I had a whole, you know, equipment set up, but it was just to snap a few of these final moments of them as a family together before all of the, you know, guests for the visitation arrived. So that later on, the whole point of it was that when they had two daughters, when the girls are older, they would be able to have these photos to look at. Right, to remember that they were there because they were young. They were five and uh, I don't even think Sarai was quite one. So very, very young and they may not have remembered, but she wanted them to know that they were a part of it. So I have these photos that I hang on to for when they're needed or if they're needed. So it's a heavy topic, but trying to also bring in the pieces that really mattered. Uh, at that time in my life, my husband and I were getting married 10 days later. So talk about roller coaster of emotions, which I can kind of joke about now, but that's exactly what it was. And so basically, if I could have bled on the page, that's that essay. But I hope that it helps others who are grieving or who have a traumatic series of events, whether they're sad or good. You know, whenever you go through a lot of transitions like that, there's going to be feelings, <laughs> you know? to put it a different way so I was trying to capture all of that in the essay I think we'll I think we'll feel the blood on the page I think so I hope so a good writer can make you feel things or maybe even help you make sense out of some of the confusion that's inside of yourself the ability and the ideas to do that don't just happen first there has to be inspiration Jess gets some of her inspiration from someone you may have heard of, Jane Austen. Jess is a huge fan. And we'll talk a little bit about Jane Austen and inspiration next on Around River City. I'm Ken Cooper, and this is Around River City. You can find all of our episodes and a lot more if you go to aroundrivercity.com. I'm talking with my friend Jess. Like I said, she's a writer, which just makes you wonder about Things like inspiration. Where do those ideas come from? And how do you learn 
to do something with those ideas once you have them. Well, for Jess, Jane Austen is a big part of that original inspiration. So Jess, where did your love of Jane Austen actually begin? Um, the movies. I watched all of the movies first because my sister was a fan and introduced me. And then when I got older, I wanted to read all of the books. So I read all six of her main novels and then also read a bunch of her um, like juvenilia or novellas because some of them were never finished, but they have been published so you can still read them. But you'll never know how they end. Um, I would say my favorite is Northanger Abbey, which is rare. Most people always go with you. her more popular ones, Pride and Prejudice, Sense and Sensibility, which are phenomenal. I love them, too. But I feel a kinship to Catherine Moreland, the protagonist in Northanger Abbey, because she is a girl with an overactive imagination who thinks that everything, every place she goes is haunted, and um, she goes to her, like, potential new boyfriend's house to stay with his family and is convinced that his father is a murderer with like no real you know cause for that to be why has that not been made into a movie yet yes there is a movie version yeah it's got um oh he's in austin land he plays henry tilney jj field i believe is the actor's name yeah we'll check that out um why is writing important? Why are writers important? Well, writers are artists, and so I think we rely on them to help us articulate how we feel about the world we live in, which is no small task. <laughs> no small task. A good, concise answer, but no small task. Um, do you, you know, you mentioned that several of her books uh, don't have endings. I would. I'm just sitting here thinking, as a writer, would that be devilishly exciting to write books that don't have endings? Mm. And make us squirm and think a little bit ourselves? Oh, I'm sure there are writers that do this. Um, or think about like all the choose-your-own-adventure books, too. I loved those things as a kid. And for the J-Knights out there, there is one called Lost in Austin, which is a choose-your-own-adventure that incorporates all of Jane Austen novels. Um, but yeah, I think I'm sure there are writers that do that and more power to them. I don't know if I could do it. I like to have an ending. It doesn't have to be a happy ending, but I do like to have some kind of resolution. I Oh, do you want to know a guilty pleasure secret? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, for sure. This is so terrible for bookworms. Um, I read the last page of a book first. I know. So do I. Do you? Yes. <gasps> this is, we can't tell people, but now it's going public. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I do that because then when I get to it, it's like coming home. That's what it feels like. So I like reading the end. I'm going to use that next time I get in trouble for reading the last page first. I mean, that sounds like a good excuse or a good reason. I do. There's something <laughs> about like the familiarity with the sentences. And you know, I don't know what they mean when I read it first, obviously. But there's something about coming back to it at the end. So, yeah, I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> I also read synopses of, of movies and TV shows I'm, uh, uh, I'm binging. And it doesn't ruin it for me at all. I am also a firm believer in watching the film before reading the book, so I'm just just a terrible human being. 
No, I think that works. I think because in, instead of then being disappointed by the film, you'll be more wowed by the book. Yeah, that's that's my theory behind it, is that if you like the movie, you're probably going to like the book more. But if people read the book and they're huge fans of the book, you never like how they adapt it into the film because they don't have enough time. They always have to shorten it. They always have to abridge things. So I like doing the movie first. And then when you read the book and there's like suddenly a new character, it's like interesting or, or I don't know, usually I think you like the changes then because it's like more. It doesn't feel like less. Complete change of subject. Are you at all <laughs> socially active in your uh, writing? Are you an, an activist at all in your writing? Mm, yes and no. The last piece that I did, um, I wrote on my blog, it was shortly after Brett Kavanaugh was um, approved to the Supreme Court, and I did a piece called What It's Like to Be a Woman in America. Um, because that was obviously a very politically charged appointment, I guess. Um, so I do sometimes, but a lot of writing conferences will tell you not to. So I think it just depends what niche you want to get in. But I, I think if you have a voice, you should use it. Can I ask why they tell you not to? It seems like a such a powerful tool. It depends what market you're writing in. So if you're a fiction writer and you have this big following and then you suddenly do a political post, they're worried you'll lose readers. So a lot of the like speakers at writing conferences will say not to, but I think it just depends who is your market, like who are who's your audience, because some of them are probably going to seek you out and maybe buy your book because of your beliefs. So yeah, it just depends, you know, what, what you want to do with it, I guess. So... What is it like to be a woman in America today? <laughs> uh, I, this was like an anger post. I wrote it very quickly one night when I felt like I couldn't be silent any longer. Um, you know, I didn't even write it about just all of the different things that affect women, whether it's pay inequality or sexual assault like that case was dealing with. I wrote about all of the mundane things that happen all the time that you just have to deal with when you grow up as a woman in America. Um, so I wrote about experiences where uh, high, high school boys in theater would all make fun of my breast size, or I wrote about um, actually being in Myrick Park one time and being followed by a guy on a bicycle who would not leave me alone, and I actually had to run into the woods and hide until I saw him finally leave, or writing about a creepy uncle who said something after an event I was leading. Just all these things that happen, and you ask any woman on the street, she will give you a hundred examples off the top of her head. So I wanted folks to know what that was like, and not just folks, I wanted men to know. I don't, I'm not one of those people like, oh, every single man, I'm not a man-hater. I am a feminist because I believe in equality, but um, just to have an idea of how it's all those microaggressions, if you hear about that, uh, and, and women of color have it a thousand times more. Those are easy to deny when you're not the woman. Right, yeah. Can a man be a feminist? Absolutely, and should be. It's to help everyone. It just means equality between the sexes. I don't know why it's so hard to acknowledge that these inequalities still exist, and not just between men and women. Oh, yeah, especially, I mean, you look at our country right now. We, we are very divided in many ways. And so you, to put it back to writing, I think we, we need more of the arts. We need more storytelling so that we can see we're not that different. 
We do need stories, and we need people like Jess to write them. This is Around River City, and I'm Ken Cooper. I just love a good conversation. So tell you what, if you want to share a story or if you know somebody with an interesting story, let me know about them. You can find my email at aroundrivercity.com. We're going to talk more about writing and hear some poetry from Jess Whitkins in just a bit on Around River City. This is Around River City. I'm Ken Cooper. Thanks for listening to my conversation with local writer and performer Jess Whitkins. So, Jess, I assume the goal of all writers is to actually be published. Are you? I have been published. Um, so I have the essay coming out with Gals Cool Literary, and I just had two poems published in Aerial Chart. How does that feel? It feels good. I love getting bylines. It's always fun to have my name in print. Um, I do a lot of freelance writing, too. I just did some stuff with Organic Valley, who's an awesome company to work with. Um, Cooley Region Women coming up, too. The poetry, that's... That's a whole different ballgame than writing for another, you know, about another company or something. That's that's really exposing yourself. Um, yeah, it depends what you're writing about because you could write a poem that's not about yourself. But um, yeah, I think the goal is to always make people think or to see something in a new light, like I said before. And um, it does feel good to have your creative writing published to get that same kind of... Um, recognition, I guess. Especially with poetry, you're always writing about yourself because even if it's about something else, it's how I am seeing that something else. I suppose. And if I look at, well, because I'm like, well, if I look at my collection, most of my poems are about me. So, <laughs> Fair, fair. Call it spade a spade. <laughs> Can you read one of the poems that you, uh, that you had published? Sure. Um, I will read Sunstone. This is one of my favorites that I've done. I meant to bring a Sunstone to show you too, and I forgot to bring one. All right. Today I held a sunstone in my hand. Its edges were smooth, its color like the flesh of a wild salmon laid fresh on a bed of ice. The stone was warm in my palm, glinting in the light, layered, cracked, and fused like my own tempered skin. It was polished to fit snug in my closed fist. I let it go from my grip skipped it over the water, a catch and release. I watched the ripples fan out. As much as I wished I'd held it longer, I was proud I let it go. Well, that's, it sounds beautiful and it feels beautiful the way it just, the words just sort of tumble. Thank you. Um, I think that's the fun part of poetry and a lot of writers uh, like Michael Perry and Nicholas Butler who we've had come speak here in La Crosse have both started out as poets and I do think it helps you with any other kind of writing that you're doing because it's about rhythm, right? There's a, a cadence to it. So finding the right word choice and the right rhythm and, and images will help you in any other kind of writing. So do you have any wisdom as a writer for the rest of us? You have to keep writing. First and foremost, you have to keep writing. Just do it. Thank you so much for the time. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Cheers. So keep on keeping on. Keep on writing. Keep on doing whatever it is that you are doing. Those are some pretty good lessons and ones that I think we could all stand to be reminded of every now and then. Thank you, Jess Witkins, for the really nice conversation. Thank you for listening to Around River City. And if you want to hear more just like this, you can check out all the podcasts at AroundRiverCity.com. That's it for this time. I'm Ken Cooper with Around River City.